welcome to Mr. Biz Radio, biz talk for biz owners. During the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a leading business advisor and two-time best-selling author, will cover topics that will help business owners run their companies more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to stop faking the funk and take your business onward and upward, this show is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio. With me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And this week, we are going to talk about a topic. We have an expert, as always, on a topic that is something that is rears its ugly head in each and every one of our lives at some point or another. I don't care how ambitious you are, how energetic, how lively, the P word jumps in and bites you in the rear end sometimes. And in this case, the P word is procrastination. <laughs> so raise your hand if you've dealt with procrastination in the past, right? It might be a specific task that you're trying to accomplish. And for whatever reason, you just can't get over the hump. You just can't get motivated and you keep putting it off, putting it off. And then all of a sudden you're left with a fire drill because maybe that deadline can't move, right? And it's something in your corporate career your boss is breathing down your neck. Maybe you're, it's something you need to get done around the house. Your spouse is saying, gosh, you know, the lights are still out or the garage door won't open or whatever it might be. Um, we're going to talk about procrastination. And this week we have a guest that is an expert in procrastination, not in being a procrastinator, but in helping us manage procrastination and be better at it. So this week's guest is Mr. Pat Sanahan. He's an organizational consultant who works with many businesses, large and small, and has written a book how to be a better procrastinator. He considers himself a productive procrastinator. I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, who has learned how to manage his procrastination and accomplish many things. For example, he's written 12 books, not one, two, three. I've written three books. I, I feel pretty good about that. 12. Like that blows me away. Um, 60 plus published articles. He is a small business owner who leads a consulting firm of six people. So Pat, welcome to Mr. Biz Radio. Thank you, Ken. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so let's dive in and uh, gosh, I can't even imagine where this is going to even go. But uh, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Like where, how did you become, get involved in this space? Yeah, well, years ago, I was, uh, many years ago, I was a school teacher. And then okay. I became an administrator for about four years. I taught for about seven. And although I was pretty good at administration, uh, I, it wasn't for me. Because a lot of times the behavioral adults were more immature than the, the students I used to teach. And it would drive me nuts. And I'm, <laughs> I couldn't do this for another 20-odd years. So I finished my doctorate. And uh, one of my professors who had a boutique uh, kind of consulting firm with University of Penn people in Temple and Drexel said, maybe you want to try being a consultant. And I said, fine, because I know this is not my future here. And uh, I did that for about five or six years with him and learned the game. You know, and, and, and we call that uh, uh, carrying the books. You know, you got to be taping up the newsprint and doing the minutes, all the slug work that needs to be done to make sure a, a meeting goes really well or a retreat goes really well. And always in the room when they're talking about the, what they want to do and how they, they please the client. And and so it was a great education. Uh, I mean, it was a real good education. And then I went on my own about uh, 1999 and uh, created a small little firm. I didn't want to manage a lot of people. The other uh, boutique firm, it got bigger and bigger and they wanted me to manage the whole thing. And I said, no, I want to consult, not manage people. So I created my own business and I have six folks that are great and we have a nice, uh, nice arrangement with each other. And we do a lot of work in higher education. That's one of our big buckets. 
uh, we've I've done a lot of work in the nonprofit sector and also I've done a lot of work with some businesses like GE and IBM and Microsoft and things like that. So we try to play in lots of different arenas. So when you say you work a lot in the higher education, so do you work more with administration or are you also helping students to develop better habits to, to avoid procrastination? Well, mostly uh, with administrators. And usually what I do is I, I help them do a couple of things, uh, strategic planning, like where do you want to go in the future? And you can mm -hmm. imagine higher ed is going, they're having some pretty big challenges here. And uh, also with executive teams, a lot of times if president brings his cabinet or her cabinet together, the assumption is everyone's smart and just kind of do what you got to do. And that's not a team, right? I mean, you've got to really build cohesion and relationships and things like that. So those are two arenas that I play in. The procrastination book got created because the COVID hit and I was on the road for about 150 or 60 days a year is a normal year. And then mm -hmm. COVID hit and boom, I'm home. And I looked around my office and, you know, I do a lot of reading and writing and I had three books on procrastination because I've been trying to manage my own procrastination for many years. And so I said to myself, geez, maybe I should just kind of look at these articles and notes and things like that and put something together that might help people manage their procrastination. So that's how the book got created. And we've got a couple of workshops on procrastination. It's not a big bucket of work for me, but I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs and senior leaders around their own procrastination. And which is a little surprising. A lot of people say, oh, you got a senior executive. They, they're probably doers and get things done, but they can procrastinate also. And entrepreneurs can procrastinate the biggest reason is because they try to do everything and you just can't do everything. You just got, you, you got to figure some things out. So uh, I work with them kind of one-on-one -on -one kind of executive coaching to kind of manage their procrastination. That makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I'll tell you, and we can get into this a little bit more later, but I, you know, I consider myself I and mean, I work my butt off and I'm very ambitious and, and, and really I, I, uh, I get stuff done. Yes, but I'll tell you where, but where procrastination bites me in the butt. And again, I, I want, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I want to mention this just to allude to it right now is, is um, what I found is when I went back and looked at, you know, the different things, because it frustrates the heck out of me. Like, why am right. I procrastinating? Because right. I don't procrastinate everything. And I look, went back and looked and what are the things that I procrastinate on? And what I found for myself personally, at least, it's the thing that I don't want to do. Right. It, is, it are the things that I don't want to do. And then it just creates this whole tidal wave of stress and anxiety because I put it off and it has a set deadline and I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And now the timeline's getting crunched. So now the, the stress and anxiety is becoming bigger. And then I dislike this, the, the task even more and I don't want to do it even more. Right. And so it just kind of sort of compounds on me. So I try to manage that a little bit better. And, and tackle some of those things earlier in the process. But so uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, Bat, but I want to, I did want to touch on when you move from education into consulting, how did you determine what part of consulting you wanted to be in? I think it was a more of a leap of faith than anything else. I knew that I knew a lot about planning. And even as an administrator, you know, I had 65 people in my unit. So I knew how to get people moving, you know, paying attention to people and having scorecards. So I knew I had that skill set. Uh, of I could you, you if you plan well you can almost plan anywhere and then the second skill set I had is you know I was a, an athlete at one time so I played football and all that kind of stuff and you learn to be on a team so those two kind of knowledges and I, and I read a lot of stuff it made me feel confident that I could add value to this consulting group and uh, you know they were senior p players I was nervous the first couple of years but I ended up doing very 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 well but having the competence you know having some deep competence in a couple of things gave me the confidence to make that that leap forward. And also I realized I wasn't very happy. I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't 
I saw, my God, 20 or 25 more years of this. And I would have moved up the ladder because like you, I'm ambitious and I like to get things done. But I said, I just want to get out of this, this, this runaround in this circus. And so I did. So I, it was a risk. There was a risk. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing as well, moving out of what you had been doing and you were doing well at, you, yep. you, you almost start to probably uh, experience a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like you said, you, you're in a room with some senior people and you're like, man, do I really belong here? Can I, right, can I right. swing it here? Can I do this? Absolutely. What am I doing here? I remember one boy said, don't say anything in the first meeting, Sanahan, because they'll think you're stupid. I said, okay, I won't say anything. <laughs> and, uh, he, said, he said, listen and listen and listen. And then we debrief with me and we take some notes. So it was a nice learning journey. But that's right. Sometimes you're with, I mean, I'm very comfortable with presidents of universities now. 25 years ago, I wasn't. I was a little intimidated, you know? So sure. exactly right. Yeah. Well, I'm in the room yeah. here. We hope they don't ask yeah. me that question. Yeah, good stuff. We'll, we're going to hit a break here. We'll come back and continue right. continue talking with Pat Sanahan. Thanks, Ken. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit checkoffyourlist.com to learn how Check Off Your List skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Thank you for listening to Mr. Biz Radio. Did you know our show airs seven days a week for more than 30 hours now? If you are in the B2B space and would like to reach thousands of business owners every week, including our more than 250,000 social media followers, our thousands of daily internet radio listeners, our email list fans, and Mr. Biz Solutions members, email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com to become a sponsor. Tap into Mr. Biz Nation to help grow your business. Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. And as we always do at the outset of the second segment, it's time for Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. And this is one of those, uh, those one of those, um, what was that thing they used to do on Saturday Night Live? Gosh, it's going to date me, but uh, Saturday Night Live used to have, uh, I think it was, uh, deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Deep thoughts by Jack Handy. So this one is is similar to that. So consider this one. If you do nothing, everything will be the same. If you do something, nothing will be the same. That's good. So this lends itself to we've talked about this before of taking action. And there's never going to be a perfect time. You can't wait for the perfect time. You got to take action. You're probably going to make some mistakes. That's okay. You're going to learn from them. You're going to learn what didn't work and how to optimize that situation, et cetera. But you got to take action. So sitting around and doing nothing is going to change exactly that. Nothing. You got to take action. So that's the Mr. Biz tip of the week this week. Uh, so let's get back into talking to this week's guest, Pat, Pat Sanahan of the Sanahan Group. So Pat, um, you know, you transition into consulting. Um, you've been doing it for quite some time now. Tell us a little bit more about what you do at the Santa Hand Group. Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the, the do a, help universities think about the future and organizations think about the future and then come up with a plan. And then, like you said, the action piece, the implementation, coming up with big ideas is not a hard challenge for a lot of people. Getting things done and lifting them off uh, is really the hard work. And I think you just opened up this segment, a very powerful notion. Action matters. 
And with procrastinators, starting is the hardest part. So find some way to get started. And one of the myths that a lot of uh, procrastinators have, and there's about 20 to 25% of the adult population in this country are procrastinators. I mean, they're chronic procrastinators, it's the lifestyle. You talked about a certain thing that you've got. I got something around income taxes. It takes me forever to do my income taxes. And like you said, <laughs> stress and worry and aggravation and things like that. But I, I, I get done on time now. 25 years ago, I didn't and had to pay some penalties. So it's, a, it's, it's learning to manage it and moving something forward. And I think the notion around if you fail, that's okay. If you learn from it, you'll get smarter and smarter as you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, I can imagine over the years, especially working on the higher education side of things, how much, uh, how much, I hate to pigeonhole and stereotype or anything, but how much on the higher education side of things does bureaucracy play into procrastination? Well, I think that a lot of bureaucratic systems slow everything down. And there's not, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs in certain parts of a campus or an institution, like the School of Business, probably. Uh, the philosophy department or the music department or the French deposit, a lot less so. And a lot of times you'll find that faculty don't like change. A lot of people don't like change, but higher ed is not built for change. And now because of COVID, they're going to have to be a lot more flexible and responsive going forward. But it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for a lot of people in higher education because they kind of sign on for life, right? If you're a young PhD at 30 years, you're going to stay at XYZ you know, campus or institution for 30 years. They tend not to move around a lot. I mean, some people do, but 80% of the faculty stay where they, they start. And uh, it, you can get a little complacent and maybe a little conservative and a little bit staid. So the, the change process is going to, the COVID thing is going to change a lot of things in higher education. So they're going to have to be much more agile and responsive. Yeah, and I think to stay competitive, right? As, competitive. As, as other universities have pivoted, bobbed and weaved, so to speak, um, with the pandemic and some of the challenges it has presented to education, the fact that they may have done that as, stu as incoming students are considering maybe that university, for, for example, and that university still maybe, you know, stuck pre-COVID in the way they look at things, that could, you know, hurt enrollment as they go forward. Absolutely. It's a great example. I mean, there's some research that shows that when students go on the web page to, to look at a school, you've got mm -hmm. about five seconds. And if you've got a clunky web page, ding, they go someplace else. Right? I mean, think about that. They're not going to sit there for an hour and kind of figure things out. In five seconds, they'll make a decision, not a, a decision to stay with the web page or to move someplace else. So just with the technology, you've got to be much more agile. Much, it's got to be sexy and big and get them involved right away and keep them, keep them, their attention connected to your school. And if you can't compete against that, you're going to be in big trouble. And usually, unfortunately, the folks with a lot of money, you know, you've got the Stanford's and Cornell's. I did some work at Cornell many years ago. They've got billions in the bank. You know, University of Penn, a lot of colleges don't have billions. They don't have millions. They got a few hundred thousand bucks. So they really can't invest. They really can't invest in, you know, a $10 million, you know, online program. They have to think very entrepreneurially and very creatively to be able to compete against the big boys and girls. Yeah. And I can tell you with certainty, Pat. So our middle daughter is grad, she graduates high school here in uh, less than a month. And when we are going through the process with her in the midst of COVID uh, of, of visiting campuses, et cetera, and where she was going to go to continue her education, that was a big thing. And I distinctly remember, and I promised Pat and I did not discuss this before the show, but she, there was one particular, she, she went and researched, um, she's going into education. So she went and researched 
uh, schools that were within a certain uh, uh, distance, proximity to where we live. She wanted, she didn't want to be too close, but she didn't want to be too far away. She didn't want to be a plane right away. And um, she was going out and looking at websites and she was sitting on the couch next to me. So I don't even know what she's looking at, right, Pat? And I distinctly remember her saying, she clicked on a, and I hear the click, right? I hear the click and I hear, oh, it's taking too long. Click and she's right, she's gone. And it, I know it was less, it was definitely less than 10 seconds. Absolutely. And I'm like, geez Louise, like, did it take a little bit long? She's like, if a website, this in today's day and age, if it takes that long, they don't really care about the website. If they don't care about the website, that's the first impression, you know? Exactly. That's a powerful notion. I was in, on a plane about three months ago with a young guy next to me, MBA from uh, from uh, Harvard. Real sharp kid, 24 years old. And uh, we started chatting a little bit. And uh, we got around to, you know, the banking, because he's in, in the banking. I said, to make a long story short, he, he looked at his wristwatches. I haven't been in a bank in four years, sir. And I said, excuse me, you're in the banking business. You haven't been in the bank. He said, oh, I do everything here. You know, he had an Apple watch. I have an old Rolex. I mean, so <laughs> I'm not doing that. And I said, I like going to the bank and signing the checks and all that kind of stuff. He says, there's no reason for it. And, you know, he's, you know, up and coming kind of young man who's in the banking business who doesn't want to go to a bank. I mean, things have changed. And your daughter's example is a powerful one. Ten seconds, bing, she's out of there. Yeah. And so she never went back. No. Like that was the first impression. So she was like, they, in, in her mind, the fact that the website was slow and wouldn't load meant that they don't care about the first impression because that's the first impression for, again, this was in the midst of COVID. So that was super important at that time, especially let alone, you know, as we go forward. And so she never went back because I, I asked her when we, you know, she did her research and everything. And, you know, this is probably a week, two weeks later, we went down and she was paring down the list of where we were actually going to physically go visit. And I said, what was, the, what was the school you were looking and you, you clicked right off because their website was too long. She goes, I don't even remember now. I said, you never went back? She's like, no. Like she it just completely turned her off. It was crazy. <laughs> Let me just build on your idea just for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, procrastinators think that more is better. And that they have lots of challenges, lots of opportunities, just wonderful. And it's the research says it's not a good idea for people who procrastinate. And as less is better, and that there's a guy named uh, the paradox of choice, a guy named, uh, I think, Schwartz is his last name. He's a professor out of Swarthmore, which is here in Pennsylvania. And he said it's between three and five choices is all you need. And then he pared down his research. He said, basically, it's three. So when you start with a list of 15 things you want to do, quote unquote, or colleges you want to go to, I, I mean, I get that it's, a, it's a, a traditional thing. It's a very important thing. But it sounds like she's whittled it down to a handful. And within that handful, she'll choose. But procrastinators keep on creating more options and choices, and they get frozen. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. makes perfect sense. Guys, we're going to hit a break here on Mr. Biz Radio. We'll come back. We'll talk with Pat. And we're going to learn how to manage our procrastination. Are you ready to automate your business? Automation is the key to scaling a business and building wealth. It's also one of the most difficult things for a small business owner to do on their own. If you're looking for help with automation, Pulse Technology CRM can help. We have an exclusive offer for Mr. Biz Nation. We will build everything for free, even if it's a sophisticated funnel. Visit thepulsespot.com forward slash Mr. Biz for this exclusive offer. If you find listening to Mr. Biz Radio is helpful, imagine having live access to not only Mr. Biz, but also five other trusted business experts. It's true. You can have live access to your very own CFO, 
plus a business attorney, a website and digital marketing expert, a sales and growth guru, a financing professional, and a customer experience master. Visit MrBizSolutions.com to learn more. Join Mr. Biz Nation at MrBizSolutions.com. To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, actually, when I, I think when I was introducing Pat, um, he has written a book amongst the 12 that he's written, but um, uh, How to Be a Better Procrastinator. And so, Pat, I was hoping during this segment that we could dive into that a little bit because, again, as we've discussed uh, already, it's something that just rears its ugly head with everyone at some point or another. I don't want to give away all the secret sauce, right? But um, if you could talk about some ways that we could help manage that. Is there, are, are there ways that we can identify it's coming on? Are there ways that we can manage around that? Well, absolutely. What happened with the procrastination, I call it the cycle, and there's a lot of research behind this, is that there's a, a tough task to do, a noxious task to do. It could be overwhelming or detailed or boring, but you don't like it. And big, strong feelings come up of anxiety, stress. You talked about that a little bit earlier in the other segment. Worry, overwhelm. And if you step away from the task, and this is key, when you step away from the task, the emotions disappear. All that anger and frustration and stress goes away. Now, intellectually, you know, you still have to kind of do the task, but emotionally, you feel better. And that's the hook. Does that mean? It just hooks you and hooks you and hooks you. A couple of strategies you can use for, for procrastination is it's really important to think about rewards. If you have accomplished the task, make sure you have a reward that you enjoy. That could be a walk in the woods. That could be reading a chapter of a book. That could watch a movie. could be a glass of wine, whatever that is. And the problem with adults sometimes is we think of rewards. We shouldn't need rewards. We should be more mature and more disciplined. And it's silly thinking. It just keeps the procrastination cycle going. If you know you've got a reward after a tough task, the anticipation of the reward is almost as strong as the reward itself. Like think about vacations and birthday parties and planning for those kinds of things. So rewards really work. So set yourself up with a reward map to give yourself something nice after you finish the task. The second thing that you need to be thinking about is it's really helpful to make your progress visible. And uh, I have a checklist I have every day, and I don't, it used to be 10 things on, a, on the checklist. And someone asked me, and I always get the seven or eight and never get the nine or 10. And I'd feel like, geez, I'm exhausted and I don't feel very successful because I only got eight done instead of the 10 done. And then a buddy of mine said, well, why do you have 10 things you got to do? I said, I don't know. I, 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 I heard that someplace or read that. He says, why don't you cut that in half and see what happens? And it was a game changer. When I have now, I have five or six max things I got to do every day. They're pretty important, not just making the email things. Mm -hmm. And I, I check it off with a black marker, real big black marker, anytime I've accomplished something. And it is, it feels very, very, very good. So rewards work and making your progress visible. And then a third thing is something called temptation bundling, and that's when you marry something pretty noxious with something pleasant. So if I had to clean out the garage, I might listen to the sports station. If I don't want to exercise, I might walk with a friend. If I got to you know, do a lot of ironing, I might watch TV while I'm doing it. So if you can marry something positive with something negative, we call that temptation bundling, that can, that can move things forward. And then the last thing that you kind of alluded to already, Ken, is that one of the challenges with procrastinators is they have to feel like they have to do the task. And if they feel motivated, then they'll do it. And the motivation never comes. I don't want to do my income taxes. I have to do my income taxes. 
So the notion of, you said this thing, action. If you act, you create momentum, and that creates motivation. It's not the other way around. And that's a very important thing for people who procrastinate. Just do something. Even if it's for 10 minutes, we call them chewable chunks. 10 or 15 minutes, take a break. 10 or 15, you don't have to sit there for seven hours and try to plow through something. Procrastinators won't do that. But 15 minutes, you can make a little progress. You get a little momentum. You get a little bit of success, and you can move things forward. So those are some strategies you can use. Yeah, and, and Pat, I love that you mentioned that. Um, well, all of them, but really the, the the last one really resonated with me a lot because that's what I was going to ask you about next was, it's like you you picked my brain here, but because that's what, what I found works for me is I think a lot of times when I procrastinate, it's something I don't want to do, right? For income taxes, for example, that's right. another one of mine. I'm not a big fan of it either. But what I've found for me to be able to manage that better is I break it down into different, you know, much smaller chunks, just like you mentioned. And then it's not, I don't have to do my income taxes. I don't have to do this. I just have to do this first. Yes. And then I get that done. And I'm like, holy, you know, like you said, it creates that momentum. I'm like, holy crap, I got, I have 12 steps to get to the end here, right? To, to have my income taxes filed. And I've got three of them done. I'm, I'm, I'm a quarter of the way there. Absolutely. That's great thinking. That's absolutely great thinking. So the problem with the, the progressive, oh, got 12 things to do. Whoa, whoa, just focus on one. Focus on one and get a little movement forward and you'll feel successful. It's exactly the way to do it. We call it chewable chunks. So when I do my income taxes, I do two things. I do temptation bundling. I watch sports while I'm doing it. It takes me a lot longer, but I get done. I get finished, sure. right? And and I, I spend it in 15 or 20 minutes, then I take a break. Come back to it, watch the sports, 15 or 20 minutes. And I might do that over a couple of days and I eventually get it done. So the temptation bundling with the sports, something f- fun while I'm doing this noxious task, and doing it in 15 and 20 minute chunks, not plow. I will never plow through my income tax. I just won't, won't do that. So, I mean, your, your, your point is very well made. Action really is the key. And it's 10, 15 minutes is all you need. And once in a while, you, you'll find yourself almost always a feeling that, oh, I've got some motivation going here. I've had some success. Let me continue. It's not as bad as we think it is sometimes. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And it, as you were saying that, it just made me think of another thing, another instance where I, use, I didn't know at the time I, I used temptation bundling and, and that's folding laundry. Yes. I, I hate folding laundry. Right. So what I do now is I'll bring a basket of clothes into our bedroom, set the basket of clothes on the bed that's right. and I put sports center on Yep. and I watch sports center while I'm folding. And so I don't even realize that I'm doing this task that I don't like doing at all because I'm focused on sports center. As you mentioned, it might take me a little bit longer, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not painful, right? But if you were just in the garage doing it or the, the you know, the, the, the room, yeah. oh, oh, this is boring. I don't know. But you're watching sports, you're doing something kind of mindless. That's a great example of temptation, buddy. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, it, it's interesting for me personally, at least, to, to see that I've kind of come up with some of these inadvertently, you know, to try to manage it a little bit better um, with some of these tasks that I just, uh, you know, don't like to do. Yeah. Um, is that is that one of the things too? I should ask you, is is it because is, are the things that procrastinate? Is it uh, oftentimes things that we're just not good at? Yes, a lot of times you don't know how to do it, and a lot of times procrastinators are very bad at asking for help. Mm. That's a smart thing to do. I learned that when I started my consulting business. Or started consulting. My boss said, "Ask questions," and I, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd say, "Well, if I'm asking questions, I might look stupid." He said, "No, no, no. If you're asking questions, you're curious, and you're a learner, and you'll learn a lot." So I think that that's something that's really to help pay attention to. 
Yeah, because I think sometimes, you know, some challenges, you know, that I've got, uh, you know, that are business related things. It's just I know I'm not very good at them. And so I don't I don't want to mess with it. So I procrastinate. I'll, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then the anxiety builds because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I still have to do this. Like you alluded to earlier. Yeah. Look, can I tell you a quick story? Sure. So a colleague of mine gives me a call and he has a three car garage. Basically, it's full of crap. I mean, just and he's not a hoarder. He <laughs> just saves everything. Right. Yeah. And his wife is getting upset because she wanted to park the car and she couldn't. And he would try every Saturday. He'd lift up the, the, the doors and look at this mess and say, oh, my God, and just shut the doors again. He did that for about three or four months. He gave me a call and said, you know, you can you help me? And I said, well, let me suggest something. Is there somebody else in your neighborhood with a garage like yours? He said, the guy across the street's even worse than me, Bill. I said, well, listen, here's a suggestion. And this is what asking for help is so important for procrastinators. You get a six pack of beer, you knock on his door on next Saturday, and you say, Bill, I'd like to buy you a beer. And by the way, I'll give you an hour of my time to help you clean up your garage. Are you interested? Well, no, who's gonna say no to that offer? Right. What they did is they rotated the Saturdays. They had a few beers together. They got a little bit of a, a friendship kind of going. And in three months, both the garages, they weren't perfect, but you could see what you had and the wife was able to park her car. So asking for help and asking for support is a smart thing just to kind of get things going for procrastinators. Ask oh, I love it. Before. Yeah. I love it, Pat. I love it, Pat. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. Uh, I, I hate to say we're out of time here, but Pat Sanahan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Just golden nuggets, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate that very much. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'm sure you got a lot out of this show. Uh, have a great week. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king. This has been Mr. Biz Radio. To learn how to become part of Mr. Biz Nation, visit MrBizSolutions.com. For access to free weekly content, subscribe to the Mr. Biz YouTube channel and follow him on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to archive shows, you can find them on the Mr. Biz Solutions website.